Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Medicine on Tap, our first episode of Season 2. We're happy to be back down here at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company in Pittman, New Jersey. We've had about a month hiatus, but Dr. Frey, it feels good to be back, huh? Yes, it does, my friend. How were your holidays? They were great. Yeah. yeah. Um, everything was, uh, you know, nice and relaxed. COVID came and took over the country again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, outside of that, things were good. We somehow made it through 33 episodes and we kind of dodged the topic of concussions and we knew it was on our radar from the beginning, but we kind of always felt right. Like there was always a good time to talk about concussions, just given how prevalent they are in sports. That, that's exactly right. I mean, it's just every week there's another big one. There was another one this week, right? Yeah. Everyone was watching. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people watching that game last night. Yeah. You know, we're recording on Tuesday. So the game last night was the, the LA Rams versus um, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And we saw a very prominent one right there uh, in front of our a eyes. Scary one. Scary one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But it does. It seems like like I don't want to say every week you get that, but it seems like pretty much every week there's a concussion that we can talk about. Yeah. So every week we did the same thing, right? Yeah. There was always, if we had another topic that we felt like was a little more unusual, didn't come up right. as frequently, that was our go-to. And all right, we'll do the concussion yeah. next time. We'll do the concussion yeah. next time. But now we're lucky. This week we got it, we got ourselves some good guests. All the stars <laughs> definitely aligned here, right? So, you know, we've been talking about for a month that there was probably no better way to kick off season two than with you know what could possibly be our biggest topic so far right so we had a we had to pull some strings and we had to get a lot of people in here but somehow we were able to make it all work who, who, who'd you bring with us so first uh, i'd like to introduce uh or welcome back one of our frequent guests jess harrison one of our physical therapists over at the energy lab thanks glad to be here um those of you that have listened i'm going to keep this short because you know my background is athletic training so yeah. concussion is definitely a special interest of mine and a specialty area in my current practice so i'm excited to be here to get talking about concussion today and jess and who else do we have here on the show tonight we have Dominique Williams, who is here, who has a career in football that started when he was younger all the way through NFL. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about his path and how kind of concussion wraps into that. I guess that's my cue. That's it. <laughs> on, buddy. Uh, thanks, Jess, the expert. <laughs> um, yeah. So my name is Dominique Williams. Uh, now I'm Coach Dom. All right. <laughs> no longer a player. Um, wow. Where do I start? Played in the NFL for three years, on and off of practice squads for those three years. I played with the Minnesota Vikings, the New York Jets, and a little bit with the Arizona Cardinals. Sure. So I am familiar with that Cardinal locker room. <laughs> <laughs> um, then after that, I went to Canada for two years. Injury trumped everything that led me back home to Bristol, New Jersey, and South, Southern New Jersey, mm -hmm. All right. to where I, you know, I became a coach. You know, I became the guy who shares his experience and I'm the expert, you know, the expert. You know I'm go. the expert to some of the kids. So that's kind of uh, sums up my life story. Sure. Sure. We want to give a special shout out to Pepe Dragada, who is a, uh, a friend of the show. He actually played an instrumental role in getting Dr. Frey and I uh, introduced to the right people here at Neck of the Woods and kind of gave us the opportunity to record here each and every week. Yeah. Uh, but. Pepe was your coach growing up, you were telling us, huh? Yeah, I'm going to give you a funny story. This is for the pod. I had to save it for the okay. pod. I like it. Yeah. Um, coach Pepe is my hero. Mm -hmm. He was the first coach to believe in me as a running back, right? So he put the ball in my hands. I probably was one of the biggest kids on the team. I was a lineman at the time. Mm -hmm. I was an offensive lineman. And he gave me 
the ball on a special play, and the play was called the Boo Boo Special. <laughs> <laughs> that was my nickname at the time, and um, he called me a bruiser. So the, the fridge, everybody remember the fridge, the fridge, the fridge yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Bears. So he he gave me the ball, you know, I think it was like my second year ever playing yeah. football. And then the rest was history. I went to the NFL and became a running back. So like, yeah. thank you, Coach Pepe. <laughs> Good insight. Yeah. Dom, you, you mentioned a little bit about your injury history. And we talked a little bit off air before we started recording about how, you know, injuries never occur at a good time. But being that we're kind of focusing today on concussions, you know, what, what was your history like with concussions as, as high school through the NFL? Right. Um, once I learned what a concussion was, mm -hmm. I realized that I had a lot. That's that's, <laughs> that's worrisome, yeah. right? Right, yeah. right, right. When the movie came out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when the movie came out, you know, I was fascinated with the science of the brain. Right. So as I'm learning what Will Smith, Will Smith is one of my favorite people. So, of course, I'm watching the movie. Sure. Um, but I'm also learning. And now some of the symptoms that they would talk about, I had yeah. a lot. You know, and almost every year that I've played, I just thought it was a stinger or I, I just got my bell rung. That, that was the classic, right? But yeah. it was a concussion. got his bell rung, yeah. Yeah. I, I would assume from somebody that never played at the level you did, but that's got to be a, an extremely unsettling feeling. Right. That movie like that, that had to hit home for you. Yeah, it, it, it was an awakening moment. Mm -hmm. It scared me for about three or four years of my life. Mm -hmm. And I would say January 2021 mm -hmm. was the first time that I felt comfortable living. Mm -hmm. I felt that I would live. I'm going to live long. Mm -hmm. Right, because I would see some of the NFL players that have died. Right. And I knew that they had concussions, that bad concussions. Yeah. Right. And you ask yourself, like, why did this guy just up and kill himself? Or Scary why? stuff. Right. That made me live in fear for about four years after my concussion. But I kept doing my research, uh, and now I feel better. Yeah. And now I try to help people with the with what I found that helped me. If you had a guess... When, when do you feel like your first concussion was, whether it was documented? Like, I mean, does it go back to Pop Warner? Does it, yeah. Is it high school? Yeah. Definitely goes back to uh, Pop Warner. Yeah. Because I like to hit. You know, I, was, <laughs> I, was that, I was that kid that, you know, would like to get the crowd going, like to get the team going. Mm -hmm. And you could change the, the momentum of a game with a hit. Right. Of course. And that was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're seven minutes in, and now I realize we could make this all about Dom here because what he's <laughs> yeah. just told me is extremely interesting. So right. let's take a let's take a little step back for our listeners, you know, parents of of, of children playing sports. Doctor Frey, yeah, concussion is is what by definition, essentially, it is a biomechanically provoked alteration to brain function, and it's usually transient. You know, it, does, it doesn't typically last that long. But uh, after the the initiation of the of the injury. There's a complex pathophysiologic process. So what the heck does that all mean? So essentially, someone takes a hit, and it's really, so that's the biomechanical. There's a mechanical injury, and it's usually what happens is um, there, there, there are cells in the brain, your kind of nerve cells in the brain, and there's a part of it, the axons. And there's usually some stretching injury to some of the axons within the brain. And that results in, it's this, this mechanical stretching that results in 
um, really a change in the equilibrium across that, that cell membrane. So, so the way cells fire, the way the nerves fire is, or the way that they work, it's like a little almost electrical impulse where there's all these gated potentials and these gates open up whenever the nerve is going to fire and they let certain ions go, you know, potassium and calcium flow back and forth. And that's kind of the electric signal across the brain. And that gets disturbed. The equilibrium gets disrupted and um, uh, causes a really not a structural injury to the brain, but more of a pathophysiological or, or um, like a neurologic level type of an injury to the brain. So it is really like kind of this low level and sometimes even higher level traumatic brain injury. And then that's really where what, what a concussion winds up being. And it's, it's, it's a little more tricky because, you know, if there's a mechanical or a structural injury, we can see that, right? You do a CT scan or you do an MRI and there's something you can actually see and um, somewhat measure and identify, but in the concussion scenario, it's not not really visible. There's there are these disturbances, cognitive, your ability to kind of think, and somatic headache, and all these other symptoms that evolve, um, blurriness, neurologic injuries that are associated with these particular injuries, but they're not very discreetly measurable like a lot of the other injuries that we talk about, where you go in, you tear your ACL, you do an MRI, there's the ACL, it's torn, it's very very obvious and measurable. This is, is, is it's a different level. The basic definition there is that it's a, you know, a biomechanically induced sort of cognitive injury that, uh, that that's not easily measurable. And that's often now why in practice I try to refer to concussion as more of a mild traumatic brain injury right. because it gives you that visualization of this is serious, but right. because it's not a true structural change to the brain, you can't see it on an image. So that makes it not a true TBI or traumatic brain injury where there's actually bleeding in the brain, right. but it's still on that spectrum and should be taken seriously. Yeah. How much do we know about like the classifications of concussions? And I, I'm always interested, Dom, as, as the guy that lived through this, uh, and unfortunately, let's add that in there. Were you aware of that not everything is just one level of concussions? Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, this is why we brought the expert in as well. That's right. <laughs> the expert. <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear that. Uh, I was listening to, you know, what you were saying and it sounded like a concussion isn't a bruise, right? right. It's not, not like if I punch myself, I have a bruise. No. It's like a stretch of the brain. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. Um, so what I felt like, and me saying this, what I felt the concussions that I've had, my symptoms were minor mm -hmm. and then my symptoms were extreme. Yeah. And then I had the in-between. So it's like, I guess there are levels to it. Right. I, you know, I'm just not aware of them. You kind of sure. put it on a, on a tee for me there, Dom. So right. I'm, I'm going to jump in there. So Jess, using what he just said, we still classify things as mild concussions, right? So I personally don't ever Correct. use that term. That's why I said it was kind of yeah. set up on a tee for yeah. me, right? <laughs> um, and so we, we discussed this a little bit when we were talking about getting into this topic. I'll let people say they have mild symptoms, but a concussion is a concussion is a brain injury of some form. Right. So in calling it a mild concussion, people sort of tend to scale it down and then it's not really taken seriously. So you have a concussion, you might have mild symptoms, you might have moderate symptoms, you might have severe. And then once you get to the evaluation stage, we can categorize 
what is more prominent within those symptoms, which helps us with the treatment, which I think right. we'll, we'll talk a little Go bit about. Go into that now. Yeah. Now? Yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> um, so when you're looking at a concussion, there's things that we already mentioned, like it's commonly known you can have headaches, you can have dizziness, you can have blurred vision, you can have double vision. So that those are all things that we look at to figure out, are you having a cognitive concussion? primary are you having vestibular are you having ocular are you having a migraine headache type primary concussion or are you having a mood anxiety component and now that's just your primary you can have a secondary and a tertiary which is then what makes it more complex and might be one of the reasons why someone is in therapy for you know six weeks to three months versus the kid that was only there for three weeks so there's different ways that we can classify to figure out how to best assess and treat those individuals based off of where they fall. What is the role of like in today's day, like the role of preseason baseline testing? So this is always a topic of conversation with my parents. So sure. baseline testing is just that it just gives us a baseline for the child or the individual or the athlete, whoever it is we're testing where they fall at their quote unquote normal. Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily say you do or do not have a concussion at that time yeah. what it does is after you have a hit and we suspect a concussion if we repeat that baseline test it lets us know what the potential of prolonged symptoms are after that hit so how severe is that concussion or what's the likelihood that they're going to need prolonged recovery um, versus getting back to sports sooner dom what do you remember about like high school college when did you first start getting introduced to preseason baseline concussion testing i don't NFL. remember I, doing that yeah there, there's, i don't there's, think it existed oh, there's there's yeah. a reason why i kind of brought right. that up with you yeah did i just tell my He's age no not at all <laughs> no, you did. yeah yeah it's pretty new stuff um yeah i don't remember doing that mm -hmm. i think we did it in college yeah I had I definitely had to do it after i had my uh nfl concussion yeah. i passed yeah i passed everything yeah, yeah but they still didn't let me play. And I think that's one of the concerning <laughs> things, right, is not every high school may be fortunate enough to have an athletic trainer, right. funding necessary for impact testing, uh, or, or, any, or any kind of protocol really in place. And it's not to say where you went didn't. At the time, it, just, it may not have been as widely accepted as it is today. Yeah. Uh, but that's become pretty standard, right, Jess, across the board? Yeah, it's pretty standard. And, and I mean, it also does take manpower because you have to give the test either individually to that one person or you have to find a room that's quiet, that's monitored so that people aren't interacting with each other. Because if you think about it on a high school level, to impact test a whole team, you have to have enough computers, enough people to make sure that they're focused on that test or it will make that baseline test not yeah, valid. And then there's right. not really a point to do it. Right, right. You, have you ever taken the, the impact test? Yeah. That, um, what'd you think of that? I think it's, uh, I liked it. Yeah. Cause I, it was a challenge to my memory and it's, I'm a memory guy. <laughs> it's challenging with or without a concussion yeah. for sure. Yeah, you know, I always encourage coaches, parents, like if you're really interested, just sit down and take this. It's, yeah, it's not easy to do. Nah. Yeah, I remember when I had to take it for soccer, and there's one part where you have to like chase your mouse over a dot, and I was like, yeah. oh, I'm, I failed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm concussed already. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how it works, though. Jess, what are the drawbacks of the impact test? Well, like we mentioned a little bit, it takes man manpower, so you might not be able to put it on the way that it sort of dictates that you should because if there's distractions they're not going to test as well also as we already mentioned you did it after your nfl concussion and you said that you passed you did fine so 
you can still pass the test even when you have a concussion. Again, it depends on what of those primary areas are the biggest issue. So that's where we kind of get into a sticky situation. And that's not really what we base any of our return to sport on. So it's just a good way for us to say to parents and coaches, like, this is what we are seeing Mm -hmm. in terms of this individual having concussion symptoms, because it's not an injury that you can really see, right? Like you don't put them on crutches, like when they have a knee injury. So so it's more of a tool a piece of the puzzle as opposed to the overall determining factor in terms of where they are in recovery yeah and i would say yeah and really concussion is probably the puzzle that has the most pieces of any diagnosis that i treat because there's so many pieces like that where you have to say like oh we did this they don't look concussed here but we see that this is a deficit and then you have to overlay that with everything else involved right so it can get a little complex. We mentioned how like concussions just seem to be ever evolving, continuous research. I, I think any athletic training, any physical therapist conference, I, I don't know, I haven't been to a physical therapy conference, but there's always a discussion on concussions. Um, I would say about 12 years ago, I was doing some high school coverage. It'll remain nameless, but a, a high school powerhouse, not in the state of New Jersey. So the head coach would talk to the players without us around and let them know like don't do as well as you think you can on the impact right and therefore if if unfortunately you do have a concussion this season it won't take as much to pass the test to come back i mean think about think about that he was telling them to score as low as possible so that we didn't hold the kid out longer than he wanted i mean like that was only 12 years ago. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, we've come a long way. I mean, I hope that stuff doesn't happen. I'm not as involved at the high school level as I used to be, but. I mean, it probably still happens more than you would think. Yeah. Um, but we as clinicians have gotten smarter, right? Like we know right. how to tell if a kid's not trying. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's another piece to this multi-piece puzzle right. that we have yeah. to figure out. I do think that it's interesting you brought up the concussion movie with Will Smith because I do feel like that was a very interesting shift mm-hmm. in the medical field as well as in sports because now the public understood a little bit more about concussion. CTE yeah. became like a very recognizable acronym. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like fr- just from that movie. And people started to shift a little bit more of way of saying, I got my bell rung and understanding, oh, this is an injury to my brain. And so I think that that coincidentally did line up with the research because research sort of turns over every 10 years. And so all of that momentum kind of helped push us to a place where, yes, the coach telling the kids to cheat on the, the SCAD or the impact test is happening less. But you still have people where, like, old habits die hard. Yeah. So this, this coach had been there, like, 30 years, 10 state titles. Right. You know, the program was his life. Monster it's just program. Like, man, like, when we think about those kids, the safety, you know, it's like. So, so I, I actually, I didn't see the movie Concussion, but, but just listening to that short little bit about it, I read the book, A League of Denial, and, and my suspicion mm-hmm. is that the movie is based on that book is it does that i don't know if anyone knows that or not but you I know a lot of it the book even though usually i am a reader right right right. I, so it, it wasn't a direct connection but there was a lot of parallel to it for sure sure, sure. And, a, and a lot of that yeah cte and, yeah. and a pretty incriminating book for anyone who read it pretty incriminating for the nfl and that led to you know i think you're right like huge changes mm-hmm. a lot of recognition and and really really kind of these big steps in concussion research and treatment yeah. 
Let's move to when an injury occurs. And, and this is where somebody like Dom, you know, can, can play a big factor in this conversation. He's not going to tell you how to cheat the test, though. <laughs> Maybe but, not. I mean, and That's Dr. Frey, you know, you cover, you cover sports, too. I mean, so right. you're on the sidelines. Let's talk about the sideline assessment for what we suspect is a concussion at the time. Typically, while we're watching, while you're covering the game, you want to keep your eyes focused uh, and your attention focused on the game. Um, and you're looking for that for that hit or the big hit. You're watching for that person who who's, you know, maybe doesn't get up right away. You're watching the person who's kind of stumbling around. You're watching for that, in, that, that injury. You get called out onto the field. Um, and typically, uh, the way it works for us is athletic, athletic trainer runs out into the field first and then kind of does the initial preliminary assessment, unless it's a very scary injury that you see and then you kind of just yeah, all run out, out there, there together, right? But, but then, then the, the athletic trainer then will kind of wave the dock out um, when, when they feel it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And so the initial thing you want to go through uh, in, in, your, in your sideline management is really the same thing with, with most injuries, right? right? You want to make sure this isn't something catastrophic. So the first thing is you run, run right through your, your, your basic CPR stuff, your ABCs, you also want to be uh, cognizant of kind of cervical spine injuries and cervical spine management. If the patient, if that athlete is out, if they're out on the field and they're unconscious on the field, the priority becomes protecting the the spine, right? Like if they're not out and they can start, they can answer questions. You can kind of go through that examination, get an idea. All right, is this head injury or is this uh, potentially a cervical spine injury? If you if you don't mind, last night was a prime example, right? They, right. They spine boarded Baker right away. It was reported, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes later, he had full movement of his extremities, right. had full feeling. But when yeah. a player is unconscious, when he's you out. have to think we're first going to jump the cervical spine. That's exactly right. yeah, So there's yeah. a prime example there. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it appears, uh, as far as I know, it wasn't the cervical spine injury. It was a head injury. It was a concussion. Um, which is, you know, serious, but, yeah. but, but you're right. Uh, when you, when you don't know, you got to protect the spine and then you go through it. Uh, there's a couple tests so different things that we have Glasgow coma scale and whatnot to really try to evaluate. Is this a serious catastrophic issue? Right. And if it is, then the right answer there becomes emergent transport to the hospital, to the ER, bringing in the ambulance, getting them to the hospital. And then if it's not, you kind of go to your neurologic exam. You want to check their pupils and the way their eyes are move, moving. And for me personally, what, what I've done is, you know, we talked a little bit, we said SCAT, you know, I typically have a copy of the SCAT-5 in my pocket, but I'll go through my own sort of modified version of the SCAT-5, which is one of these concussion testing systems or, or, or plans and go through a lot of the questions in particular, that SCAT-5 includes a Glasgow Coma Scale. There's something called the, uh, the Maddox Questions. There's a symptom check. There's a whole checklist of all these different things that you're going to do. And right? short and long-term recall. Right, right, exactly. And, and, I, and I'll run through them relatively quickly to see if uh, where, where that person stands. And then you're also looking for a lot of the symptoms you would normally see in concussion, right? Headache is, a, is, is one of the very big ones. Some dizziness. Um, once again, you're trying to rule out this, this, you know, catastrophic injury, but then you're also going to look for emotional uh, liability, liability. Does anyone remember the? I don't know. I think it was T.J. Watt. It might have been J.J. It might have even been Derek. Um, but but one of them had a, a pretty bad concussion or a concussion, and he was on the cart and they were carting him off. And I remember him sobbing, just absolutely sobbing on the way off the field. And it's that 
like uncontrollable emotion that sometimes people will get. The short-term memory is frequently gone. They keep asking the same questions over and over and over again. Um, there, there are a number of these symptoms that you're, you're looking out for as you're going through the testing process. The sh long and short of it is when in doubt, sit them out. Like if there's a question of the concussion, we just, you're done, take the helmet, take the shoe, whatever it is, take their, take their cleat and, and, and you're, you're establishing that's it, you're done for the game. I've thrown a shoe before. <laughs> Hopefully like not at the, the player. Right. No, no, just so, because he was trying to get in, he had cheated, he had memorized the scat somehow, and I knew he had a bad concussion, because um, you can check their blood pressure when they cheat the test to see if it's a concussion. Interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And not done that. His, it's like FBI stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so it was definitely confirmed that he was concussed yeah. and he kept trying to go back on. So I chucked his shoe over the fence at the football game. Yeah. Dom, one of the reasons why we were, you know, so happy to be able to join us is you're the only one out of the three of us, right, that have been on the other side of the of the medical evaluation. So, right. you know, if I could maybe ask for a, you know, transparent look into what do you remember from from your concussions what were your symptoms like what do you remember like immediately following um the only time i actually went through like a procedure yeah after a concussion was in the nfl mm -hmm. and i remember hopping on one leg i remember having to touch my nose right and say certain things yeah. and yeah, yeah, for sure. asking me questions. Do I remember the day and the time? How do I feel? Yeah. I felt fine. I passed everything. I yeah. felt, I felt normal. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, after the game, after I sat there for a while, adrenaline wore down a bit. I got depressed because I didn't, it was my mom's first game ever coming to see me. This was my third year in the NFL. We were playing in New Jersey and I just got real sad. Yeah. And then after that, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to have alcohol after a concussion. <laughs> so that night, yeah. I drank. Yeah. yeah. And I think the next day I had like light sensitivity, but I thought it may have been a hangover. Yeah, that's one of them one. Yeah, yeah. And then after the next day, it was another day of light sensitivity. I was like, okay, I'm getting headaches because I'm looking at the light. And then the next day, all right, I tried to make it go away by squinting my eyes. <laughs> I tried everything I could to, right. to get back to the field. But at the end of the day, it was a it was a bad concussion. Mm -hmm. And I felt fine, but you know, my symptoms I think the light sensitivity and the headache was the one. Mm -hmm. Sure that lasted for like three or four days and then it was gone. So thinking back to those categories that we mentioned, the things that you've said, like light sensitivity and headache is very characteristic of your migraine, migraine headache category, and then mood and anxiety. So there's a huge emotional component that happens with any injury, but specifically with a concussion. So right. Those are huge pieces and pretty common with a lot of concussions across the board. Yeah, and I think, it, I, honestly, I think the mood and the depression it carries for yeah. years because mm -hmm. I've never been a sad person. Yeah. You know, I've always been happy. I've always been, you know, upbeat. You know, I love to smile, even though my eyes disappear when I smile. But, I, you know, I smile. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, I, I smile. Yeah. And I was a smiler. Yeah. But for about five years, I, 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 I hated life. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I hated life. And it wasn't until... I made some lifestyle changes that I started to feel myself again. And that took until this year, really. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I got tired of feeling so depressed. Right. And I knew it was because of my concussion. 
At what point, I mean, I was going to ask Jess this, but you're kind of leading me down that path. At what point were you recommended to see a physician? Was it immediate? Yeah. Say it out loud. <laughs> nah, you well, know. I mean, like, and like you had talked about concussions over multiple years, right? So, right. like, maybe in the Pop Warner. But no, I mean, never. Did you ever follow up like Monday morning? Never. No. In the NFL, I I did meet with the trainers. Sure. I, yeah. I had to go Resources through. are unlimited at that point. I had point, to go right? through but, everything I had to go through. Yeah. I had to see. I want to say he was. What is his name? Was Doctor Sweets? Great guy. What are what is. I, I don't know the term for it. Um, he's a brain psychologist. Did he do a neurologist? Neuropsychologist. Neuro yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So we would meet often in like a nice calm room. Mm -hmm. yeah. I thought it was, you know, like an introduction to yoga. <laughs> you know, he kind of told me, you know, the purpose of us meeting. Right. And then he and I built a great relationship because he saw the type of person that I was. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, he encouraged me to share my story. And not knowing what he was doing was he was pushing me into speaking. Right. And he said, you know, some of the things that I was talking about could save people's lives. And he sure. said, you have an interest in learning mm -hmm. how to get better. So he said, use that. And I used it. Sure. And it took me five years, but I got better. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to make one quick comment and one interjection there. Orthopedic surgeons are frequently team doc and the sports medicine docs. However, concussion management is typically not a surgical issue, so oftentimes doesn't fall under the realm of orthopedic surgery. So lots of times it's the primary care sports docs, it's the neurologist, it's psychiatrists that wind up, wind up, you know, as an orthopedic surgeon, we have a very, very important role of recognizing the concussion, um, initial treatment, um, counseling the family on the treatment of that and, and how to, you know, watch that particular athlete over the weekend and signs to watch for and and then also then getting them over to the, actually the people the specialists that are treated the most often physical therapists like jess um the the neurologist or neuropsychiatrist that you had seen dr sweets and and uh all the the, the excellent primary care or a concussion specialist and concussion management doctors out there and Definitely, given the arena, I wouldn't discount the athletic trainers. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I'm sorry for leaving that. Out. Yeah, and I mean, when I was in college, the athletic trainers did do a lot of that, like day-to-day -day management of the concussions, because the team doc was not always on site. And I imagine the NFL is pretty similar, right? Your athletic trainer is there every single day that you're on the field, and the physician or the orthopedic surgeon that's with the team isn't necessarily there every day. So that athletic trainer has a lot of responsibility in monitoring your symptoms, which is why you don't always get that MD referral right away when yeah. you're at like a college or a higher level. So they, they this was during training camp, mm -hmm. you know, the preseason. So we were all staying in a hotel or I think it was like a hotel or dorm room mm -hmm. and they were staying there too. So they called and checked on me, you know, every single day. So I, I will say that much. Jess, when, when do you hope that a suspected concussion, and I guess maybe put on your athletic training shoes here. When when are you encouraging them to follow up with a physician? I feel like the answer to this question has changed a couple of times sure. throughout my career. Because when I was doing athletic training, like I mentioned, the athletic trainer is pretty much seeing that, that individual pretty much every day. So that MD referral might not happen as quickly. Yeah. But again, it depends on the symptoms. So a lot of this, unfortunately, is like, it depends, right? Mm -hmm. No one wants to hear that. But... Right. <laughs> um, 
I would say if it's someone where you're scoring really poorly on the scat, along with you can tell that they're visually, like, they're not able to focus on you, they're not following the conversation, that to me is usually an MD referral right away. And so hopefully within, like, hopefully we can get them in within a week, right? Mm -hmm. So you have someone else that's on their team. Right. in my practice now, as a physical therapist, I'm not on the sidelines as frequently. Uh, so typically, concussions will get sent to our uh, concussion specialists here within a week, sometimes two weeks, because everyone's like, well, they, they're just having a headache, it'll get better, and then it doesn't get better, and then they come two weeks. And then they don't end up seeing me on the PT side until almost four weeks after their injury. Which is a little bit later than, than what I would like, sure. but, but we make do with what we can. Let's say, because I think most of the sideline coverage I do, a suspected concussion usually leaves, I'm feeling okay, there was enough concern from Jason that I didn't return the play. Right. But we have to have that conversation with the parents before sending them off for the night. What do you tell the parents of an athlete that it's like, hey, I held them out because I was concerned I'm not saying you have to rush to the ER tonight. What are you having them look for in that first 24 hours? So let's say this athlete comes off the field. They say they got their bell rung, mm-hmm. right? They look like they're a little bit disoriented. And by the end of the game, like I've held Symptoms them out. By the end yeah. of the game, maybe they're like, oh, I feel cloudy. But that's about mm-hmm. it. So my conversation with the parent is, look, I, I don't suspect that it is a serious mm-hmm injury here but we do have a concussion which still needs to be respected in its own right Mm -hmm. and this is where that old um piece of advice comes into play where they're like okay if they go to sleep like every two hours check on them and so that has sort of faded away but i do sometimes allow parents to do that because it gives them a peace of mind because at that point every time you check in with them you want to make sure are their symptoms not worsening so is the headache not getting any worse are they able to speak to you clearly and they know where they are they know what happened if at any point they become more disoriented their balance gets worse right if they start having increased nausea especially if they start vomiting yep that's when you have to go immediately to the er because that's when you're thinking whatever happened earlier can potentially is potentially developing and that happens more often than you would think that they're like oh i felt fine after it and then trying to convince you to go back in the game yeah Yeah. and then they're like 24 to 48 hours i felt so much worse well it takes time for that injury to develop sometimes yeah there there are other serious injuries uh, that sometimes take a little bit of time to develop Uh, uh, subdural hematoma, an epidural hematoma, a facial, like there are different things. And you, you, I think that's a lot of what you're sometimes making sure it's not when, when you're, when you're telling them about those symptoms, if they have started having seizures, like you said, they start vomiting. If they're declining mental function or cognitively, like their ability to respond and whatnot. Yeah. The right answer right there is go to the ER. And I think that the right thing is to um, just just counsel the parents on this. I typically don't say don't wake them up. If they fall asleep and they're comfortable in their sleep, man, kind of yeah. just let it go. Um, the other thing, the other factor is I don't let them drive, right? Right. So so one of the factors you don't want to drive. One of the symptoms of concussion is is uh, sort of slowed reflexes or slowed reaction time, and clearly driving is is does not mesh well with slowed reaction time. And then the last thing I say, Tylenol and ice for a headache, um, no aspirin and no NSAIDs for a headache, just in case it is one of these subdural or epidural 
I also us. take their phone away. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So anything makes sense, that though. requires cognitive processing, because right. the way that I explain it is your brain is your computer system yeah. or your TV, for example, and it controls the rest of your body. So when you get a concussion, everything else is staticky. So it's like you can kind of see the picture, but it's not really fun to look at. It frustrates you. Yeah. Your, your brain is going to get frustrated if it's trying to process something cognitive, like looking at your phone, like, they're like oh, I'm just going to scroll Instagram. Worst thing you could be doing. <laughs> um, no TV. Right. Stay off the reading. Absolutely don't drive. So a lot of those things. And then I tell them that they should also follow up with an MD within a week yeah. if they feel like nothing has improved. Yeah. And then because of my PT background, I'm like, look, if you have a PT that you trust or I, you know, casually slide them my card. Um, <laughs> I would definitely consider going and getting yourself looked at because we know that with concussion, you can also have compounding injuries to the neck the cervical spine that can make those symptoms appear later yeah. or if you have symptoms can prolong them so getting that assessment you can get ahead of it and then you might not actually need prolonged treatment i so, we try to get him in with one of the concussion specialists like 72 hours kind yeah. of a thing and that's that's where i was leading to next and unfortunately for dom it sounds like you missed this part where you were referred to a physician right um, but what, um, you know, what, what occurs at that appointment in that first 72 hours? So, and I know Dr. Frey, it's not necessarily your appointment, right? but I mean, Jess, I mean, what are they looking for in that time? What are they going over? What are they reviewing? So the, the initial appointment is a little bit more in depth because that physician needs to become familiar with what that individual's symptoms are. Yeah. So they'll take a history, which you might have to go over twice because they have their assistant as well as the physician that will ask for that same history. And then they're going to take a look at your visual tracking. They will then look at your balance. They're going to look at a couple other things that will let them know if it's vestibular, which is your inner ear. So that has to do with when you're walking straight, if you feel like the room is moving around you, that's a vestibular issue. So it's your ability to figure out where you are in space. So they're going to look at visual tracking, vestibular balance. They'll ask you what your symptoms are. And from there, they will make a judgment call as to this is what I want you to do in terms of staying out of sport and or staying out of schoolwork or not going to school altogether. And then typically they will refer you to physical therapy if your symptoms are still present or worsening by the two-week follow-up. So they'll see you every week to every two weeks mm -hmm. with that MD so that you're constantly checking in on those symptoms. I think this is a perfect spot. We, we fully anticipated not being able to cover concussions in, in one single episode. Uh, so it sounds like we're leaving off at a point. We, we've got the referral to physical therapy. I think now would be a good time. Let, let's take a quick break. We'll, uh, we'll refill our beers here. Dom, Jess, can we ask you to stick around for a little bit? We'll come back with part two. Yep. And Dom, this is where you're going to be key. We're going to get back into the return to play aspect of things. Get Sounds really good. excited. Join us for part two. In the meantime, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods, of course, for hosting us each and every week. And our good friends at Timber Reel Productions, Joe Warner, our on-site producer, and Kyle Miller, our editor. We'll come back. We'll catch you guys on part two.